HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43, and the Good Beer Seal is October 1st, 2013. I'm joined by Ed Barastecki from Mugs Ale House, the guys from the Exley Bar in Williamsburg, and our new favorite brewer, Heather, from Six Point in Red Hook. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Ed, it's good to have you on, man. Yeah, it's nice to be back, Jim, even though I'm a little under the weather. so You know, whenever you're on, I feel like I'm on a real radio show. Former polka player. And you're and uh, polka as in not poker but polka. I knew you were going to. Do you call a polka player or like a polka band member? What do they call? Polka your eye out. Polka. <laughs> so, but, but you're almost uh, 21 years now. Mugsdale House in Williamsburg. Next week, yeah. Yeah. Next Wednesday. And I know you yeah. brought for us. Uh, you got a great cellar. You brought some really great vintage beers. Of course, as usual, they bring too much, but you know, hopefully we'll get through it. <laughs> I think and, we will. And you're the funniest guy on the radio. Like, I try to be. Yeah. <laughs> I look at beer differently. I look at beer as not technically, but as a fun thing. So. Like you like drinking beer. Exactly. Me too. And so new guys, we got Matt and Brandon from the Exley, which is a bar in Williamsburg. How are you guys doing? Feeling good. All right, Matt, you want to say something? Also good. <laughs> Matt, Matt's got a deep voice, doesn't need the microphone. Also, you know. Riding a motorcycle is <laughs> but you guys have a cool place. You guys are kind of near the BQE in Williamsburg. Right off the ramp there, right? Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. Under, right why don't you take the, the mic, Matt? Matt why don't you talk um, to the mic? Yeah, right underneath the BQE. I think it was the, the New York Times actually said um, it was in the shadow of the BQE. So we've adopted that as a part of our tagline for most of our stuff. All right. Thanks. Well, that's cool. And then our other special guest, Heather. Uh, what's your last name, Heather? Hi, Jimmy. Heather it's McReynolds. Heather McReynolds. I never knew your last name. <laughs> So you're part of this great little team at, at the original Six Point Brewery in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. And um, you guys make beer there, which is pretty awesome, considering that you also have another brewery in Pennsylvania. It's loads of fun. Of I get to do the fun stuff. I have the job that every home brewer dreams about. And what are some of the beers that, that you've been working on 
that we we can taste? Oh God! Uh, most recently, uh, we just finished making an Oktoberfest that we're going to be launching at the Ulysses this Saturday uh, in the evening. Uh, first time we've made an Oktoberfest, so it was really cool to work on the recipe, get the yeast in, and you know, lots of fun. Let's raise our glasses, make a toast. Some new friends and all over here today. Um, we'll get started talking with Heather because uh, you've got a neat story. Um, tell us how you got started in beer. I, I will say that you're a woman, so as a woman <laughs> brewer, pe- people are interested. Oh, in you that. noticed? Yes, <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you working in boots, and I've seen you dressed up. So, how did you first get started as as a brewer? Uh, well, I had a pretty solid background in beer. I worked at and managed a beer bar in Gainesville, Florida, called Stubbies and Steins. Uh, I was there for two and a half years. Uh, that's where I really cultivated my knowledge of beer and it got to learn all the different styles and really got into it. And that's where I said, this industry is awesome. I need to do this for a living. I didn't know in what capacity yet. Uh, I moved to Georgia and I was a manager at a small brew pub in Columbus, Georgia called the Cannon Brew Pub. Uh, learned a little bit more about what, how beer was made in the whole industry, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the management there wasn't too happy with the brewer the brewer wasn't too happy with the management the beer quality was really lacking and as somebody who really enjoyed it it was really disappointing to be the manager and to try to sell these beers that were just not great so i went to my boss and i'm like i'll do it look (laughs) that's what i said i was like you know what give me a shot i home brewed a couple times i had an idea what was going on i was like not that it's easy, but it's like, I give a shit. Right. And I feel like if I give a shit, I could maybe make it taste a little bit better. Uh, so I trained with the guy for two weeks, and then he quit. So it's like, well, sink or swim time. Let's right. do this. So I read every book imaginable. Um, and I'm happy to say it did really well. I didn't have any major screw-ups in the first couple of years. But I knew that y- you can learn how to make beer, uh, but... You're really good at it when you know the science behind it. And there's tons of science and math that a lot of people don't think about. And I knew I needed that, so I did American Brewers Guild, which is an online kind of correspondence course. You watch all these DVDs, but you're interacting online. The final week, you meet up, and you go through everything. So I did that so I could still work at the brew pub. Wait, so it's like an online beer course? Yes. Yes. But how do you go from home, like, I mean, that jump, that hurdle, and, like, you know, it was intense. From a home brewer to, <laughs> all right, well, I'm brewing at a bigger capacity. Yeah, I, I, I had many freakouts for a while there, definitely. And sure. yeah, like I said, I, you know, reading everything I could, I reached out to people. Any who, wasted batches? No, I'm proud to say uh, I had one. Not that, to put you on the spot, but. No, no, no. Just I mean, curious. it happens to everybody. Right. Uh, I had one that was, yeah, totally, totally infected, not right. sellable, but. Uh, I mean, there were some that I wasn't super happy with, but we put out, and it was still good. You know, the consensus before we put it out was that it was still good, so we did, and it was good. Yeah, um, a, lo- a lot of people are going from heard about people who are home brewers and they're becoming professionals, but um, I didn't really hear, know about the American Brewers Guild before. And I heard about Siebel Institute in Chicago and UC Davis, but are, are there there aren't too many other ways to learn to become a professional brewer in America, are there? Uh, that's changing slowly. Um, you mentioned Siebel, UC Davis. Um, I was actually looking into a program at Auburn University that's up and coming, too. There's a lot in Germany. Uh, there's a couple in the UK. Uh, there, I mean, 
I think these universities are realizing they can make a lot of money from teaching this. So they are. So it's coming. And, what about, and Brandon and Matt, so you guys, your, your bar actually, either of you ever ever interested in, in making beer or do you homebrew at all? Uh, I've tried unsuccessfully a few times. I actually lived in Alaska years and years ago, uh, and I came across a guy who did it, and he tried to teach me, and I didn't really learn that much. But that was years ago. Uh, I'm certainly a beer enthusiast, but I don't know much about making beer. All right. And what did you bring for us, Heather? You brought some cool beers. Uh, I brought uh, our Harbinger, which is our spring seasonal, which is Saison. Uh, I also brought the Otis Stout, which is my absolute favorite beer that we make. Love it. Love it. Anybody who loves chocolate is going to love this beer. And I brought a little bit of an oldie but a goodie, Spice of Life Citra. We do a single hop series beer that we release every month. Uh, this is Citra from a little bit ago, but still so, so good. Cool. I got a question, Father, because I'm yeah. curious. Six Point, Red Hook. Mm-hmm. It's all small batch there and everything else is out in Pennsylvania? We're the boutique. Okay. We get to do the fun stuff. So of, the mad scientist stuff, all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. The Spice of Life, the mad scientist. There's also a couple beers, like I mentioned, the Otis, that just aren't big enough to put into cans or anything like that. The format's right. not right for it, so we still make that there. Uh, we also make a lot of account beers. For instance, where Roberta's, we make a lovely saison for them called Get Safe. Yep, just had it. Yeah, there Very you go. Good. So, uh, three yeah. bean, three bean. Where was that done? Uh, three bean was done at the Pennsylvania facility. Okay. Um, but yeah, our size lets us do like pretty much whatever we yeah, want. Cool. It's awesome. We've uh, got a couple bourbon barrels a couple Whoop. months ago. Here so you're go. like kind of a real like just like. Hard, you're like you work hard. I mean, I've seen you in the brewery. You're like you're wearing boots. You're scrubbing things down. We're all working. It's a hard. physical job. Yeah, we're all working hard. Yeah, it's she not. She only wears boots. That's she it. wears. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're trying not to make it about women in beer, but you know, it's a taboo thing. Let's the monkeys in the room. Let's all right, do it. All right. Uh, we've over the years we've always tried to have a show of women in beer, and, and there's some women didn't want to come on because they didn't want to be on a show with just women, and then other people don't want to talk about women in beer, but. You know, you're in the room, so I guess we're talking about women in beer. I mean, is it, is it hard being a woman brewer? I mean, do you feel no. like you're accepted or all no. this stuff? No, no, it's it's fine. I mean, it, it, you're judged by the quality of the beer you're making. If you're making shit beer, then you know, you guys yeah, like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what your gender is. Asking about you that. if you're only wearing boots in the in the wow. brewery. Ed, you, you know, got to have a certain. That. You know, you said, did you, I say you that? Watching, she was wearing boots in the in the brewery. That's it. it. Stuff like that, that happens, but it's it, people make jokes. It's funny. I'm an whatever. old timer, but you know what? At the end of the day, if you're thinking a little bit more is about six point, I'm cool with that. I mean, especially if I can meet other ladies or other people. It, what I really, this what way, I, really other, I wanted to say this because I've been doing this for 20 years as far as the beer bar scene. And in the last 10 years, so many more women have become present in the craft beer scene, even from sales to Because they're realizing consumers the beer is to, Yeah. Well, it's good. It's great. It's a great thing. I mean, and, and, you know, even from, like I said, sales reps, it's you never saw female sales reps in the first 10 years of this. It you know why never were, happened. You know why there were boots in the brewery? I know why they wear boots in the brewery. Why? Here we go. Because it's jokes. wet. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of hoses. There's a lot there's of water. water everywhere. There's stuff. Well, there so you got it. You first thing you do, you put your boots on. They have they have they have guest boots. Maybe Brandon and, and and Matt. Have you guys been in the brewery ever? Uh, a number of times. Yeah. And, and have you, Matt? Yeah, I've been in a brewery. All right. So uh, what 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 breweries have you guys been in? Uh, most recently, actually, I was home hey, this give, summer. I was in. Give a, Matt a microphone because he's just, oh, you can't me. talk off Matt. Matt, you can't talk off Mike. 
What's that? You can't talk off mic. You okay. talk into the mic. I'm, I'm talking into the mic right now. <laughs> Brandon's answering this question now. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I was home this summer. I'm from Montana originally. I was at uh, Flathead Lake Brewing Company, which I hadn't been to in a number of years, and I uh, grabbed a couple of half barrels for a buddy's wedding, and I got to step yeah, behind the curtain, and uh, I had forgotten how good it smells, first of all, uh, uh, from the boil, and then, it, yeah, it was pretty sloppy, actually. I'm not saying they don't run a tight chip, but... Uh, it's a little messy. <laughs> what about you, Heather? Well, I was going to say, bring up one monkey in the room. I, what about the other big monkey in the room? The fact that, you know, the brewing industry is full of white dudes. Why is it just white Ooh. dudes? <laughs> the fact that I'm a lady doesn't mean anything. But what about, you know, the fact that it's full of white dudes? That That's, that's, that's my thing. That's my thing. If I can... Let somebody realize that you don't have to be a white dude to make beer, to sell beer, to drink beer. Well, let's go but back. I'm happy with that. Uh, Matt, what, what breweries have you been in? Um, recently, I, haven't, I don't think I've been in any in the past year, but when uh, I went to college at Notre Dame, and there was a Matt Anthony Brewing, which was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is back in the day won a lot of awards, but I became pretty good friends with Blake Stuckey, the guy who runs the brewery. And in fact, I think when we were almost opening, we had reached back out to him and said, you know, we would... We'd like to maybe just do six draft beers, all you, all the time, like for the first few months, like because we'll, he doesn't have, he didn't have uh, distribution in New York City at all, and he kind of wrote back and was like, yeah, "I'm kind of too busy." For you me. know, before we were sitting at the bar at Roberta's, and, and and Brandon was here, and he said, "Oh, you know, Matt didn't really want to come. He doesn't really, he's not really the beer guy." But that. I got a feeling you both are equally anything. beer guys. <laughs> I drink a lot of it. I'm not, I don't well, then you're a beer guy. So what <laughs> do you guys? a motorcycle. Huh? What do you guys? We well, can't drink right now, but what do you guys have, have on draft? Like. Generally, right now at we always have Kolsch because I lived in Cologne for three years and that was the nice. one the one thing I said was you have to have rest or Kolsch on draft at all times, which yeah. we do. So we either have, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. There's always there's always Thanks. a handle, uh, and then it's always just rotating, kind of whatever I feel like buying or what I'm drinking at the moment. I'm trying to think what we have right now. We have um, uh, the IPA. We usually have we always have an IPA on right now. We're doing uh, Firestone Walker, the just the Union Jack, kind of straight ahead. Um, We've got Evil Twins Biscotti Break, which we just put on, which is delicious. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, oh, the Old Rasputin, which has always done nice. pretty well. It's kind of kind of hard not to like that beer. Uh, I'm kind of forgetting. Oh, uh, German Pilsner. We have uh, Kohlenbacher, the EKU. Nice. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting things. But, but it almost sounds like that's all I would need to drink. I think I could stay there all night tonight. <laughs> I think we're going back there tonight after the show. Well, the, yeah, the idea is to, have, is to have six handles that you would be a jerk not to like. So, well, you know, one, one of my favorite beer bars. Everything, but we have good beers. Spite and Dival only has six drafts. I'm sure you guys know that. Spite and Dival's awesome. Love Spite yeah. and Dival. Yeah. I think six drafts is enough. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to give a quick shout out. We're talking about things like Kolsch and Styles and stuff. And our good buddy, Josh Bernstein's The Complete Beer Course book is out. It's really great. He's, he's traveling around, and I think that in like two months, his wife's having a baby, so he's got two. But uh, if you really want to learn more about beer styles, I, th- I think it's a, it's a complete book. It starts off w- with some styles, but what's really cool is it does talk his profiles of a lot of the brewers that we know. And then when we come back, we're going to taste some pretty things. And uh, Dan Paquette's in the book, and uh, also the brewer from Firestone was in there, too. So uh, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All right, guys. You're listening to Seriously by Sleepies on the Heritage Radio Network.org. These guys are awesome. Stay tuned. 
for more from Beer Sessions Radio. So, you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we're out at Roberta's in Bushwick. I'm drinking the Wandering Star Mile at Heart by our buddies up in uh, Western Massachusetts. We got Ed from Mugsdale House, Matt and Brandon from the Exley, and Heather from Six Point here. All right, guys, cheers. Um, Brandon, what did you just pop for us? Uh, this is the uh, Pretty Things Meadowlark IPA, which is actually a beer that I haven't had, which is why I grabbed it. I'm a big fan of Pretty Things, but somehow I haven't had this. Looks like they just started doing that. Well, I'm just going to one more shout out. We were just we were talking about Josh Bernstein's new book, The Complete Beer Course, and uh, it starts out with some you know basic introductions of styles and how you make beer. What I really like about it, I saw DP Cats, and there's some great profiles, including uh, there's a cool photo of Dan Paquette and Jim Barnes uh, when they used to dress up in their vintage costumes and uh, they, when they had their vintage beers coming out. So, uh, pretty things is a great is a great brewery. Um, you know, do you think, Brandon, that just from being in the scene that y- you know a lot about beer, I mean, it seems like that you hang out, you drink beer, and, and you know about it. Um, things have changed a lot. Um, you know, how, how did you first start learning about beer? Because you've got a pretty cool place. Well, I actually, <clears throat> beer was always, this is going to sound really bad, I'm being on a beer show, but it was always sort of an afterthought. And like coming up in restaurants, really my background is restaurants, not bars, but there's a lot of emphasis on wine and, like, the cuisine, obviously, the food, the technique, that sort of thing. And beer was always just like, well, let's just find something that tastes pretty good. You never really thought much more about it. Um, until I, I actually worked just a couple of years ago. I got a job working. I helped open uh, Alewife up in Queens. Yes. And those guys are pretty serious so about Did you work beer. with Dan Lanigan? I did, yeah. And he uh, <laughs> he put us through quite a crash. He's kind of a mad beer. genius, isn't he? Yeah, he, uh, he, he knows a lot, or he thinks he knows a lot. Is he going to hear this? He, probably <laughs> he listens to every show. Oops. Oh, good. I, I didn't know. outside for you. <laughs> no, actually, I, I actually credit. I gave him credit this summer. Actually, I saw him up in Cambridge, up at Lord Hobo, and I, I said thanks for making me a complete beer snob. I'm a total jerk now. <laughs> so. How'd you get started? I mean, so what, what was your first restaurant job? Did you go to? Uh, I started school in restaurants almost 20 years ago to the day. I was thinking about it as we were sitting here uh, as a dishwasher in a place in Missoula, Montana. And I did not think that it would <laughs> lead to, to this, but uh, so I did that all through college. And then uh, was on the West Coast, worked at Wildwood Restaurant, uh, which is a great farm-to-table place that sort of, I think, kind of pioneered the movement. Is that, is that, that important? That was a long time ago. Yeah, it's, a, it's still there, yeah. actually. But 20 years ago, it was, a, I mean, it's like a top 50 restaurant for, for some time. Yeah, it's a great place. to work there, yeah. Corey Schreiber is a really, I mean, 
I don't think he's involved anymore, but he was great. I learned a lot from him just about approaching food. Uh, and then I actually moved to New York about seven years ago, and my first job in the city actually was working at Taylor, Sam Mason's uh, yep. restaurant. Ill-fated, but really great place. Um, so that was my first job in New York, and then I, I so I opened a couple other things along the way, and then like I mentioned, I I worked at Alewife. I helped them open that about two years ago, and that was when I really got super. I mean, I always loved beer. I'm from Missoula. It's kind of a the the craft beer scene there is pretty strong, and so um, it's not like I didn't know anything about beer. But Missoula, Montana. That's right. Wow. Center of the universe. <laughs> no, that's Montana. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Came for, but th- that's great pedigree, man. I mean, I I've, I heard a lot about um, that place Wildwood a long time ago. I had a friend moved there from New York, and he was a great cook. Yeah, it's a great um, restaurant. So you're like another one of these guys. You're, you're kind of like a, you've got real strong restaurant skills. I bet you're a pretty good cook too. I don't know. You don't know how to cook. I suppose. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. And then how, how did how did you and Matt like how did you guys hatch the idea of opening this place and all well, that stuff? Uh. I want Matt to speak to this too, but I actually met Matt about a decade ago in Indiana, um, and that's when he fir- he gave me a copy of. Uh, oh, got my own microphone. Look at that. Uh, he gave me a copy of uh, sure Frederick Exley's A Fan's Notes when I was leaving Indiana under um, kind of sad circumstances. But I read that book in Portland, and I remember reaching out to him, thanking him for giving me a copy. So fast forward, uh, I guess, about three years, I moved to New York. He was really my only friend in New York at the time. He moved to the city, and you know, I didn't really know anybody. Uh, I don't really know when we started kicking around the idea, probably shortly thereafter, about the idea of like opening a place of our own. Um, I guess it was about two years ago that we sat down? Yeah, I think it was the summer of 2011 where we sat down. I was I had I'd spent most of a year in Argentina. I had stopped working in development and just taken a ridden my bicycle all the way across South America and then just sat in Argentina and drank Fernet for about six straight months. <laughs> Came back up here and I think along with just a group of friends we kinda said, well, you know, what can we do in the next year that is that will help all of our projects and more most importantly is real estate and most importantly after that eventually it might pay for itself. And a bar is a good thing. You have a lot of creative people surrounding you and now you have a space. So you've got guys who need a room for whatever reason. Now we have one for the next eighteen years. So wow. So who who else is involved? Like what? You have different friends. Like what do they do? Sounds like you have a cool group of friends. Uh, my younger brother helps. So between Brandon and my younger brother and I, we run the place. And then more or less, we kind of went to a group of about eight buddies like two years ago and said, "All right, yeah." I, and most of them working, you know, in upper management, different places in New York, places I was working in the city, and said, "All right, you can take a second vacation this year and buy a watch, or we can open a bar." And everybody threw their money together, and then we pulled that together. Do you guys plan on doing food at one point, or you can't? Or we tried to do food at we, the beginning yeah, in yeah. New York, New York City, the Department of Buildings. I won't say anything too horrible about them because we're still waiting on our final certificate of occupancy. But okay, we, we lost did. what would have been our kitchen space. Okay, yeah, I hear you. It's the city. Yep. Yeah. You have bags of chips and stuff like that. We got sandwiches. We got grilled sandwiches, ham and cheese, and that's right. And you know, we're, we're diehard. Like in now. this room, there's a lot of talented people, but. We're trying to talk about you guys because you guys are pretty cool. Um, what did you do before you opened a bar, Matthew? And you, you were in Argentina. Like, what does development mean? Uh, I was working for a German company called Taschen that does art, architecture, and design books. Uh, and uh, when I started there back in 2005, there was two boutiques: one in L- no, one in LA and one in Paris. And then over the course of the next five, six years, I opened the next eleven or twelve. So, traveling all over the world, 
finding real estate, opening luxury boutiques, opening galleries, stuff like that. I've oh, no, You guys need more beer? Yeah, we do. The hand says to me, someone, I figured six points here, so I figured there must be another six point. Yeah, we had the Harbinger Saison. So, yeah, what's the yeah, next beer more. we're going to try, Heather? How about that? Uh, let's get some Spicy Life Citra. All right, let's do that. That's the best top ever. And then, here you go. No, that, that, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's kind of like means you guys have a cool place. You have a cool thing going on. We try to. <laughs> We've been told as much, you know. But you guys... Anyways, yeah, just toes. You, you guys are way too cool for me. Come on, we just finished this is the uh, actually last September, last Sunday was soft our, sell our one year anniversary. So you guys have a bar in New York City. <laughs> you feeling good about it? Yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's owned a bar in New York City knows that those first couple of years is a lot of work. You know, so we we just finished one full year, and it was as much work as we thought it was going to be, and we're looking forward to you know getting through the second year, and yeah, thinking pretty seriously about a second space for next summer. So we'll see where that goes. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I think one thing fell through the cracks. We didn't get quite get back to it. Maybe we'll come back to it. No, tell me. Frederick Exley, the guy we named the bar for. Uh the reason, not the only reason, but um he was he was a known drinker and uh, a guy who liked bars quite a bit. Spent a lot of time in them. So uh the name isn't just out of left field. We'll, we'll probably get back to that again here. In a well, minute. that's what I want to know is 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 a famous New York drinker. That's yeah, who he was. He, he came from California in 1952 and was already considered to be one of the next great writers. He just didn't finish his book for another 17 years because he couldn't get sober enough to finish it. So when he finally finished it, it was critically a huge success and commercially a failure because by that time he was 43 instead of 25 and good looking. Um, so he wrote that one book, great critical success, and that just was like you had. <laughs> and then he wrote two more books, which were really bad—not really bad, but not very good. He just—he he just never got a handle on his uh, on his drinking. Honestly, he was uh, by the end of his life, he was drinking twenty-five vodka Presbyterians a day, which is basically—it's about what's fifty ounces of vodka. What's, yeah, what's a vodka Presbyterian? The, the poor man's version is just Sprite and vodka. That's it. It's like fifty-fifty Sprite and vodka. Because why? If I'm a Presbyterian, I'm supposed to only drink Sprite. You're a I have no idea why You're that's called drinking. a vodka Presbyterian. Actually, that's probably why. Well, that's where it, that's where it came from. Yeah, the, the, the teetotalers and the, the, the like the non-alcoholic drinks. Only this one has alcohol in it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so one? Frederick, let's talk about this. Is cool. I mean, I think a, a, a bar with a, a literary man behind it must be a good bar. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's kind of. Yes, and uh, you know, within the bar itself, we have a lot of shelving. So we actually we've always had a program that if people from the neighborhood bring in five or six books that are decent, you know, don't bring in us your old like I learned to speak Spanish textbooks from your junior <laughs> high school. But those, are, those in, are actually my books. <laughs> bring in like four or five decent novels. We'll put them on the shelf. We have a kind of a lending library, and you know, you do that, we'll you know we'll buy a beer. So That's a cool. lot of the neighbors bring in board games, books, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and we had always talked about trying to get a, a reading series together. We, maybe we'll do that this year. We still haven't gotten that far yet. But. So day to day, I mean, since you guys opened the bar, what are some of the tasks that you guys have to do each day or each week? Uh, receiving deliveries, cleaning the toilet, the floor, uh, All bartending. The stuff. <laughs> uh, I don't sweeping the. What does Matthew do? We all do the same things, yeah. just you different share. days of the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then we all work other places too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, year in, I mean, we've had, uh, so it, because it's a small team, it's, you know, we're always sort of on, even, you know, 
like officially Brandon works Sundays, but for the entire duration of season five of Breaking Bad, we all worked Sundays. <laughs> you know, because we just showed at the bar. Yeah, showed at the bar, but we'd have you know 115 people show up in a space that seats 40 every single Sunday night. That's from a good thing. Seven to ten. That was a great. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Like we had, like, so two nights ago was the finale. I think we probably had close to 150 people, people standing outside in the street who never got inside. And then they had to go yeah. and cancel it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did so. they? No. Yeah, no, talking to <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like, we all have our different nights of the week that we work, but then, you know, we're all pretty involved on a day-to-day basis. And you guys all have different jobs, too, outside of the bar? Yeah. Yeah. My brother's a carpenter. I've been working at a motorcycle shop for the last few years. In the years. beginning, you have to. Brandon bartends elsewhere. And f- fundamentally, when you boil it all down, Brandon runs our bar. And the rest of us fill in the cracks as needed. But without Brandon, I don't think we'd be open. Period. Cheers, Brandon. I know what that's like. None of us had, none of us had bartended prior like. to our first day of being open outside of Brandon. My first day of bartending ever was opening night. So Ed's been open yeah, almost was, 21 years now. I did the He's same got, thing 21 years guys, ago. Guys, just try to talk to him like Seven no, years I was working a nine-to-five on top of running the bar, so I know exactly where you're coming from, believe me. Believe you me. <laughs> Actually, the, our first night, Matt and Nathan, between the two of them, had all of three hours bartending experience, um, and they've learned a, a lot, and they came along very quickly. But uh, I, I don't think Matt should get away with saying what he said. We wouldn't have been there had Matt not done what he did to get the place to get it from an idea to an actual thing. That's you know what? Amazing. Sometimes 90% is personality. As long as you have a good personality, you stick somebody behind the bar, the bartending is... Matthew, you remind me of my cousin. <laughs> my cousin's from New Hampshire. Right. And he's tall. Yeah. So Matthew's tall. Just like, he's got a beard. And it reminds me of my cousin. Therefore, I must remind you of someone from New Hampshire. <laughs> of course. Is that why you like him? Well, this is... Okay, <laughs> when I brought my cousin... I'm gonna t- this is a dork out for a second. When I brought my cousin here when he was 15, he was from the woods in New Hampshire. We walked We walked in, in Manhattan. I said, you know, when I'm in Manhattan, I was trying to relate to him. I said, you know, if I look at things like the Empire State Building, that orients me. He said, wow, that's just like being in the woods. And he told me about how he, he, he could walk through the woods and, and, and recreate just from like this little, oh, he saw some feathers and blood, and he figured, well, the owl came down and, and killed this mouse and flew off with it. So he, he was related to the woods, and I was trying to relate him to Manhattan, but that's my cousin. So, <laughs> so if, you, if you wonder what Matthew looks, Matthew's tall, he's got a beard, and uh, we're going to keep talking to him. So, but Heather, last thing, if you're going to make a custom beer for the Exley in Williamsburg, just from this conversation, what what do you, is that how it works? They say, you, "Will you make us a beer?" Or do they actually say, "Oh, I want a Vienna Lager"? It, or something? It, it depends. It depends. It happens lots of ways. But honestly, right now we're totally full. They probably and, can't. Yeah, we we don't have time. I think there's plenty of people who would like us to make a beer for them, and we we really don't have time to. But yeah, it it comes across lots of different ways. Um, sometimes they say, yeah, you know, we want this. Or sometimes we say, well, how about this? And Brandon, if, if you wanted a custom beer from Six Point, <laughs> like what, what style? You get a basic style of beer. Because they make a lot of good beers. And I, I get pissed off because sometimes they only make their custom beers. And you can't order them if you're not Wisco. The Wisco guys, the Jeffrey Leonard's of, of West Village, they seem like everyone's making them custom beers. I mean, Carton's making them a custom cream ale, and you guys are making them custom beers. Like, how do guys get custom beers? You know, I mean, uh, what would your custom beer be? You beg. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know. <laughs> a, a smoked lager. I don't really think of uh, Exley as like a, a guy, the kind of guy who would drink like a high ABV, really intense beer. It'd be something more along those lines, and that would be cool. Also, actually. We make a lovely smoke IPA that we just had at Pig Island. 
Signal. Yeah. We, we, Ray Dieter, our our, uh, our rest in peace co-host, we made that in 2010. That's, guys, uh, yeah. that's, that's a fantastic IPA, but yeah, unfortunately, smoke beers can be a tricky sell to people. It's 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 hit or miss. I mean, yeah, we've had smoke beers up at Mugs and. Depends on how that's, much smoke is in the smoke. That's beer. the uncharted territory <laughs> of craft beer, um, but yeah, no. When they're done right, they're beautiful, right. and I'm I'm pretty proud of our smoked IPA. But it's it's hard to sell, so yeah. All right, well, I'll tell you what, we're getting somewhere. I'm meeting some new people. We got Axley's Mogsdale House, Heather from Six Point. We'll take a short break and be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. You're listening to Cool Boy and by Sleepies on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Got a cool group tonight. We got Ed from Mugs Ale House, Matthew and Brandon from the Exley, a new bar in, in Williamsburg, and Heather, one of the brewers from uh, the Six Point Brewery in Red Hook, Brooklyn. So, Heather, uh, you brought a couple of beers. We had the Harbinger Saison and uh, the Citra, uh, one of your specialty. Was it Mad Scientist lines? No, no, no that's, that's Spice of Life. Spice of Life. Single Excuse hop me. IPA that we change out every month, um, and we're able to get some really, really, really cool So Spice hops. of Life isn't Mad Scientist? No. They're separate? Separate things. You guys make so many beers at Six Point. We, we make a million that. different beers. So what's the, what's the next beer that we're going to try? Uh, my personal favorite that we make, this is the Otis. Uh, normally, it's poured uh, on nitro. Makes it lovely. Uh, this one's bottle conditioned. Still really, really nice, but my favorite is getting it. Oh, let's try nitro. it. Sounds really good. Someone needs it over. Uh, All right. This is a, we got a new show. We got, Heather's on representing Six Point. We got some some new guys from Williamsburg and all that. So um, I'm trying to talk through everything. But um, you know, one one thing about having the show is that we get to meet so many great people. But you know, you guys are of a new bar, and uh, Ed's going on his 21st year at Mugsdale House. And one thing that he's collected over the years are these great uh, lineup of vintage bottles. And we had Sam Barbieri from uh, Waterfront Ale Haunt. I was on recently. Buddy, yeah. My idol. And he brought some crazy stuff in too. So what just tell us, give us the full list. What did you bring uh, from from your vintage bottle? Well, you know me, I always overdo it and I uh, went through and I tried to pick some of the favorites. I mean I have Hardy's here from ninety ninety eight or ninety nine. Ninety eight or ninety nine. So what's Thomas Hardy? Yeah. Is that a barley wine or is this like an it old actually, ale? It was the first barley wine that I ever tried in my life and um, one of the first that we cellared at Muggs. I think somewhere in the cellar at Muggs they still have like an 88 laying around someplace. I have to go dig it up. I'm drooling <laughs> over here. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's <laughs> funny. I've, I have a couple of 93s left, but I figured I, I haven't had the 98 
and I wanted to bring it out today just to see what happened. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've tried a lot of vintage beers in my lifetime, and I think I've talked about it on this show. I mean, we had a tasting at Mugs where we did a tasting of a 100-year-old Bass King's Ale. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of signed the waiver. It said, like, if I drop that after this, you know, my wife is all happy. It'll be like, all right, it's over. Um, But I went into it, and the youngest beer was actually, the youngest beer was the first release of Thomas Hardy's, which was is 63. Three or sixty-eight. It was in the sixties somewhere. That was the youngest. And this then we is why I live in New York City, by the way. Well, you get to do cool things. You know like what this. you do? You got to hook up with beer geeks. And yeah. these guys came up with these I- this idea. Bill Coleman and Warren Becker, good friends of Mugs. They've been great patrons, and through the years, you know, we've they do the MBAS meetings at uh, every second Wednesday, the homebrew meetings. And they came up with this idea, and we had Jim Anderson from Philadelphia show up, and Tom Baker at the time was from Heavyweight, and we all sat down, and we said, we're going to do this or we're not going to do this, and we did it. And we went through this whole spiel of beer, and it was incredible, and they all lived. I mean, they get a lot of sherry overtones through the years. They kind of start tasting the same, I have to say. I mean, after 100 years, it still was alive, though, because it was waxed cork. It was fine. I'm sure you know it was okay, and we we lived through it to to talk about it today. <laughs> so uh, Willie Loeb was there too from the Wine Spectator before it, there was even a. I think I don't even think there was a beer magazine out back then. So it was in the mid '90s somewhere. But vintage is you know something that we cherish at Mugs, and we've always tried to sell her a lot of beers. And these are a couple. A Coke is a uh, Russian Imperial Stout from England. Um, Thomas Hardy. Uh, Thomas Hardy's is from '98. We got the barley wine. We also have a Sierra Nevada 2000. So I don't know if we're going to get to that, but hopefully we will, and we'll be able to try some of these vintage ales. I just love what happens to a beer through the ages. Just like what happens to you or I, Jim. We're getting older, and you know we look a little <laughs> bit different than we did a couple of years ago. Well, I mean, one thing Ed is when you're like over the years. Though, did you plan to to sell these beers? Or did you just no, you, know you, bought, you buy them and you kind of just end up with them? I mean, again, when I opened up mugs, we started off with eight draft lines. We're up to thirty-two. At one point, we had the most in New York. Now, the whole multi-tap scene doesn't mean anything. It's the, the novelty's gone. So it's like these guys. I'm impressed with the fact what they're doing with six draft lines. Back then, when we did it, we had eight draft lines, and it was like, all right, well, you got eight draft lines. Wow, okay. Sam at the time had like twenty or something like that. So it was just like, all right, you want to build it up, you want to get you know more beer up, you want to. The whole draft scene was changing. The beer scene in New York City now is chaotic, as I said earlier. Outside, it was just it's chaotic compared to what it was back then. We at one point at Mugs wanted to put a three barrel system into. You know, keep up with all the styles that weren't available, and you know, in New York. But now you don't have to worry about that. You got fifty million breweries in New York, so it's you know. Just I, I'm going to tell you what happened to me today, which 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 is why I love this this like rise of all these great new small breweries. Without even realizing it, my buddy Rich from Bridge and Tunnel showed up with two kegs of his new Chipotle Porter. He just happened to show up with his. He's like, I, of course, I put my kegs in, in a cooler because he kept them cold. He kept them at proper temperature. The most meticulous new brewer in New York City. He's making beer in his backyard in Queens. And then American beer distributor, which, who I love, I'm sure you guys buy from them too. They've got Carton and the new Grim Grim Artisanal Ales. They they showed up with like some Carton Boat, some Carton Pumpkin, and uh, one of the Shout new. Shout out Grims. to my buddies at Carton. That's right, our buddies. Yep. And uh, who else came? Oh, and 12 percent came with. Uh, 
Uh, my, my new favorite beer is from Chicago, local, yeah, local option. We were talking about this before, the Schmetterling Goza. It's like salty, coriander, crooked sour. The local option of my two favorites. Yeah, and uh, they also, what else they brought me? Like uh, Westbrook IPA, which is one of my favorite IPAs from South Carolina. So in this like this one one day, like without even thinking about it, wow, I had all these great beers just come to my doorstep. And who's going to show up tomorrow? I don't know. That's the thing. That's beautiful. But uh, that's what I'm trying to communicate is how much we love the beer scene. Well, that's what I'm trying to yeah. communicate about how chaotic it is. And I like that. See, I like it. I, li- I, want, I want all the small guys. I want the guys to self-distribute. I want the small distributors. I want to hang out with Do you ever turn anybody away? Well, <laughs> well, I think I ordered it, first of all. But. And then we're doing the Mad Scientist series, like you mentioned, which I... The historian in me geeks out over this because we're making these really, really old beer styles or... Sometimes it's not even really, really old beer style. Sometimes it's just, oh, we're hanging out with the ladies from the jam stand, and they've got this raspberry jalapeno jam. Let's throw it in a Belgian ale and see what happens. And it turned out to Which be number are you up to now? Freaking awesome. Ah, we've got 18 in the tanks, but that's not going to be released for a while because that's a high-gravity beer. So we want that to chill out for a little bit. Good. But, we'll yeah, that so much fun. Skull. You know, we made that Goza. That was great. It was so much fun to make. Has anybody held on to 18? They're going to do a tap take. Oh, no, no, point. no. No, it's still in the tank. <laughs> no, I know, but that's number 18 out of 18 beers that yeah. we brewed. So has anybody done that? I, uh, I'm sure somebody's doing it. The thing is, though, <laughs> I, I, I tried Mad Scientist number one a couple months ago, and uh, Died. It, it didn't age. I mean, it, they're all different styles. Yeah, right. They don't, I mean, they don't, some they don't there. age you have, well. Yeah, right. yeah. You have some low-gravity you beers. You can't so you really can't just do that. Right. I mean, it sounds nice in theory, but... Yeah. Yeah, let's will. do this. You, you popped a couple of beers. Let's try a couple of the vintage beers. Please. Uh, we had pretty things from from Your uh, choice. Brandon. Ladies' choice. And we had a couple <laughs> of beers from Six Point. So it, it is it is nice. One thing about being on the air is that we can taste beers that you probably, I mean, commercially, do you sell these vintage beers or you just have a small amount of each for your own? You know, use? through the years, we, we for a while there, we had a huge vintage selection and... It caught on, and people knew about it, and they still talk about it. And the problem is that if you don't kind of disperse it equally, and, like, I still have a couple of these, and I have some old, um, I don't know, some other old beers hanging out down there, you know. But uh, I think even I have some 2004 Sammy Klaus somewhere down there. Oh which So I've got some vintages sitting there, and I just try to build my menu up as I go along. But it's tough it's, it'd be nice to do them all but you know I don't have the coolest space and all that to, to, to be able to do that plus I don't want to do it I'd rather hold on to them for a while and see what happens you know. hopefully I'll live long enough to be able to sell them it smells amazing <laughs> this Thomas Hardy's one of so, my favorites well, I want to go back to this American Brewers school what Guild. Is it? Guild American Brewers Guild yeah so if, if I'm you know I'm a home brewer I'm really thinking about going pro I know my friend Chris Kuzme, who's now he went from from Good award-winning too, yeah. home brewer to being a pro. He's brewing at Five Way Gastrobrewery. Awesome dude. Downtown, but he, I think he's signing up also for that program. He he's so just, in it just, right now. Just walk walk us through it. So, you know, what's the time commitment? I, you know, how do you learn? Are you learning on the internet? You, you have to go to Vermont and do some tests. Well, let me preface it by saying, I'm pretty sure there's a two or three year wait list. Uh, if you are already a working brewer, you get to move to the front of the line. Uh, they don't want to flood the market with new brewers. Uh, so I think that's how Chris was able to get in since he's brewing now at 508. Uh, but time commitment-wise, you have two jobs for about nine months. It's pretty intense. 
I, uh, when I moved here, I was right in the middle of the program, and that was rough. Doing the move, uh, keeping up with the class, because I got behind, and then I was playing catch-up, and it was, and then I had no life for the first four or five months I was here. So I moved, I moved to New York, actually, last September, and I really didn't get to do anything until December. So wow. it's like, all right. I'm so Jimmy, you wow, I'm in New York tonight. City. You can't get on and sign it up tonight. You can't do that. I don't even have a computer. <laughs> but Heather, so when you were in Cannon Brew Pub in Columbus, Georgia, is that when, when did you start taking the, uh, the online program? That's when I started taking it. So you yeah. realized you had to learn more. That's, I'm trying to get that. There's not that many resources for young people in America to learn to be professional brewers. There's still not. How'd you end up at Six Point? Through the program? Is that how you ended up there? No, I uh, I was looking for other positions, and uh, they hired me. So I moved on up to the big leagues, New York City. Was it Josh or those guys? Jay, Josh, the guys? Jay, Josh. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about. I know. They've grown from, I remember the original guys from years ago. when they were. Oh, okay. So but I, I, got, I got a scoop. I, somebody, uh, Justin Kennedy, who helped write uh, some of the notes for the show tonight, who's a great writer and a friend of ours. He did some research on the Exley. Going back to the new, we got the old guys and the brewers. It says that the reason you guys open a bar is that you got tired of paying for beer and drinks. Is that true? You want to have a place where you could? I think that was yeah. I don't know if that was from some interview at some point. I think that that was, but that was part of it. I mean, we sat and we were trying to figure out something to do, and you sit around long enough trying to figure out what you want to do next. That's why I became a brewer. Yeah, you know, what's our next move professionally and personally, and what are we going to, you know, why are we in New York to, you know, to work for someone else for the rest of our lives, and eventually just that we spend, you know, four nights a week sitting around drinking beer. Let's at least get somebody to pay Let us. Let other to people serve it. pay for it. Yeah. Sounds like you're on the right track. I think that's why I like to drink at my own place, Jamie's number 43, a lot. But I tell you, what, I think we're going to wrap it up. So we're going to go to the Exley. We're going we're gonna to go over there and check out what these guys are doing. Um, maybe I always love Rise of Kolsch, but what, what's another beer you might have on draft tonight, Brandon? Uh, thinking, uh, Talking to the mic. Yeah. You had me at Old Rasputin. I know, but I don't, I don't know what's going on. Something. Yeah, the Old Rasputin. Uh, we got a Founders beer on right now. I can't think of what it is. All right. And then, Heather, where... where, where uh, uh, the Victory Headwaters. Other than the Wisco yeah. restaurants, Jeffrey Leonard and those guys and Gabe Press in the West Village. Were there. I, I have to say this. I am amazed. I, and these guys have a great... They have great operation in the West Village. I'm just calling them the Wisco restaurants. So many people are making, you know, custom beers for, for this this chain. And I don't know why. And I'll tell you why. Because I think they're great. But, but there's so many good beers out there. Why would I want to get stuck with a custom beer from my own restaurant when, like as I said today, every day there's small brewers and importers showing up with so many great beers? Why would I even want to commit to having a? It sounds like dating. I can answer that because why I would just I want to set a set beer? I just went through this with our anniversary beer last year, and we did a 20th anniversary at Brooklyn Brewery, and it's just that the limitation of the fact that it's there, it's craft brewed, it's local. And it's only available in one spot. And we blew through it. And they actually no, went great. back to the brewery. And these people, they want it. It's just I, I'd rather have right. local options. Smetterlin goes. And I'm going to go back to Jimmy's number 43. Right. I'm going to drink that keg until it's done tonight. And uh, so, what? So Brandon, you got to have something at your place that's good. And I'm sure, I'm sure you always do. I got, Heather, a, I got a still water handle on. So I got you like that, too? Yeah, but which is good. Yeah. You, you guys are cool. I'm going to make a toast. Let's, let's, let's try everybody joining. Let's go around the room. Say one good thing about, about life, whether it's literature or beer. Start with that. Beer. Okay. 
You can't say more than that. Uh, I thought you said one thing. And when there's no beer, Fernet. <laughs> but is that how you lost your mind, man? Is that how I lost my mind of Fernet? Lost yeah. Your mind. You just liked it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I used to be a whiskey drinker, and I've slowly moved into just Fernet. That's it. That's that's about all I want. So, I think it's it's got fly wings in it. It's good for you. Secret recipe. It's good. <laughs> uh, just beer and whiskey. There you go. That's it. Good things about life. <sighs> good buddies. Do you like wearing boots and, and working in a brewery, Heather? I mean, it, it pays the bills. It's pretty I cool. Can't, I can't complain. I've been lucky. I made a couple of beers with the brewers at 6.2. Full disclosure. You Always fun when Jimmy comes I by. got to work with Craig Feinmark when he still worked there before uh, he went over to Barrier. And last year I, I made a, a beer for Beast with you and Pete Dixon. And shout out to Pete Dixon, who's one of the great brewers in the city right now. And really, it's, it's, it is one of the gems of the city, the, the Six Point Reddick Brewery. You've got you know you and and Dan and, and Danny yeah I, and Pete Dixon I I got lucky I work with some awesome dudes yeah and and, and I'm sure Beer for Beast is coming up next year so maybe maybe you should get the the X X League guys to go over and make yeah. an X League beer it's a pretty cool thing it, let me tell you Beer for Beast is like it's like Christmas for us really it's, it's yeah and you guys made you made it through Sandy we just did Pig Island and uh, we had some custom beers from Six Point and. You know, I'm, I'm going to make a cheers to you because uh, you guys are great. So, hey, there's a lot of things going on. Jimmy's number 40 this weekend, the Real Oktoberfest. We're bringing in the Bamberg, the Franconia uh, Gravity Casks, which if you haven't had them, it's, it's, I know that Spite and Dive is also doing a big festival with them, I think, the same weekend. Um, have you guys ever had any of the, the Franconia the Gravity-style casks? You've had them? I have, yeah. Uh, not recently. I mean, they, they can be good. They're, they're supposed to be super fresh beers. Yeah. It's, it's a different way. It's totally different than English cask and... Uh, I'm kind of parched. Have you had them, Heather? And no, no. Come no. on Saturday to Jimmy's number 43. Have I'm you ever there. had a, a Franconia cask? I think we had one of the first ones, and it was just a pain to pour. I remember that. No, for how can you put, really you put it on the bar, you turn the faucet on? Well, it's, it's one of the, isn't that the one where you tap it from the top and the side? Yeah, but don't you have like, like a, a bar professional at your place? A yeah, bar back or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but it starts with an explosion. There's yeah, something event. weird about it. I don't remember. It was years ago. I remember when I think Dan Shelton or Be United or somebody like that. Everything awesome mm-hmm. starts with an explosion. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool things yeah. with beer in the city. So, hey, check out German Gravity Cast from Shelton Brothers if you can. Uh, also, Saturday up in Peekskill, uh, they're hosting the Hudson Hop and Harvest Festival. We're really proud of Peekskill Brewery. I mean, they were a simple brew pub restaurant, and they went crazy. They brought down the best brewer in New York, and I'm saying it on the air, Jeff O'Neill from Ithaca, and they basically built a whole brewery for him, and he's put, put in a cool ship. It's a crazy place. You can take Metro North. you got to go check out Peace Glow. Uh Next Saturday, October 12th, is the Village Voices Brooklyn Poor. Uh, cheers to them. They're doing a good job of... Uh, of doing a festival. And thanks to our sponsors at greatbrewers.com have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio is supported by the Good Beer Seal. You, you can find Beer Sessions Radio on our Facebook fan page, Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Another shout-out, Heritage Radio Network is awesome. Thanks, you guys, so much for joining us. Ed, Heather, Brandon, Matthew, for joining me on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, our engineer, Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Cheers, guys. Rock on. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.